This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. Today, we'll be talking about, um, is there a two-tier justice system? The Republican impeachment inquiry, who answers polls, and voting in 2024. Let's get it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host. D-O-T-T-L-E-Y We are available on Spotify Amazon Music Google Music Pandora And yes, YouTube Today, we're going to start out with Senator Bob Menendez Yes, Bob Menendez I always say that I am a Let's see I am an independent And I always rage against the Always rage against um, Republicans, but this is a Democrat who is being charged with uh, bribery, and he's being called to resign. And in my book, this is his second time, so he should resign. But let's listen to it. Democratic U.S. Senator, who is no stranger to facing down federal prosecution, is proclaiming his innocence against serious new charges tonight. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez and his wife Nadine indicted by a federal grand jury in New York. Accused in a sweeping bribery scheme, according to the indictment, the couple accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in the form of cash, gold, luxury cars, and mortgage payments meant to secure the senator's power and influence for the benefit of three New Jersey businessmen and the government of Egypt. Menendez prevailed in a separate 2015 corruption indictment when the government dropped its case. Responding to the new indictment, Menendez in a statement said today prosecutors have misrepresented the normal work of a congressional office. Our NBC News Chief Justice contributor Jonathan Dienst has details. A stunning corruption indictment tonight against Senator Bob Menendez. Prosecutors laying out what they say was a wide-ranging bribery scheme by the New Jersey Democrat, saying he and his wife accepted gold bars, piles of cash, and a Mercedes-Benz, all in an illegal effort to help three businessmen and Egyptian officials. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in exchange for Senator Menendez using his power and influence to protect and to enrich those businessmen and to benefit the government of Egypt. One of those businessmen, Fred Davies, is an admitted fraudster who allegedly paid Menendez and his wife with these gold bars. 
After getting the gold, the indictment says Menendez went online to search how much is one kilo of gold worth. These three kilograms together are worth approximately $150,000. During a search of Menendez's home, prosecutors say they found $480,000 in cash, including these envelopes stuffed into one of his suits. More hidden in a safe and in closets. According to the indictment, Senator Menendez also abused his powerful position as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Menendez allegedly provided sensitive, non-public, U.S. government information to Egyptian officials. Senator Menendez and his wife both deny wrongdoing, saying forces behind the scenes are trying to silence him with false claims. There's been an active smear campaign of anonymous sources. The excesses of these prosecutors is apparent. They have misrepresented the normal work of a congressional office, attacked my wife for the long-standing friendships she had before she and I even met. While many Democrats are remaining silent, tonight New Jersey's governor saying the allegations are deeply disturbing and calling on Menendez to immediately resign. And Jonathan joining me in the studio. Menendez is stepping down his position as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. That's right, Lester. And all the defendants are expected to appear in court Wednesday where they're expected to plead not guilty. This is the second time in a decade Menendez has faced corruption charges. Last time it ended in a hung jury and the charges, Lester, were then dropped. Thanks. All right, folks. It, it was a hung jury and he was not prosecuted. But guess what? This is the second time where they smoke this fire. Why is that? Why is there smoking fire with, um, with, um, with, um, what the hell are they called? Politicians. Yes, politicians. Democrat, Republican, Independent, they always do their own thing. So again, he's being tried again for bribery. Um, the Republicans say it's a two-tiered justice system, but how is this two-tiered and they're going after a Democrat? I say he should resign because he is, he is, he is showing that they can't be trusted. And that's just the crazy part. He is, yeah, he's just, just going crazy with, um, with all the gold bars and it's when the time where people don't trust politicians left or right but again I would rather go with the Democrats than Republicans because they they look out for the will of the people okay on that note um, I was gonna go to the impeachment inquiry but let's go to who is what did the Democrats do who's voting who's voting for president how are polls showing that Trump is in charge who picks up the phone Hampshire we're way ahead in South Carolina we're way ahead we're up 57 points can you believe this that was former President Donald Trump today in Somerville South Carolina speaking to supporters at his campaign field office there well, Trump touted recent poll numbers today. CBS News polling has found Americans ha do have concerns about both the former president and President Biden serving in other terms. CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett joins us now. Major, when you step back, you've been yep. covering politics. 
uh, for some some years. And you think about this early stage, and there's a new poll from the Washington Post, yes. CBC, CBS News has its own polling showing uh, different gaps between Trump and Biden. What matters? So there's a freakout right now in Democratic circles about this Washington Post ABC poll. Nine point lead for Trump. Nine point lead. The methodology can be criticized because there's an order of asking the questions. You ask the issue questions first. If you're dissatisfied with the issues, then you ask, well, who, how do you like Biden? Well, I don't like him at all. Oftentimes you start with who do you like in the presidential first, then you get to the issues. So that might have distorted the outcome. But the bottom line, Robert, lots of Democrats I talked to today said two things. The poll is suspect, its methodology is bad, but bad news is bad news, and the White House ought to take at least some signal from the bad news that you can find in this poll, the NBC poll, and other polls. They have all the president at about mid-40s. That's not good for a re-election campaign. So what do you do about it? Well, you lean into Biden economics, you go to the picket line in Detroit, and you continue to press forward. There isn't a sense among Democrats I talked to today that this poll or any other poll is reason to press the panic button, but it is reason to keep that panic button in sight. I just asked uh, the Congresswoman from Michigan, Haley Stevens, about whether there's a political cost at all for the president going to the picket line in Michigan. How do you read it politically? Probably not, in the sense that identifying with this particular set of workers and their grievances is different than it would have been for UPS workers or rail workers or port workers in the sense that, and this is an important part of the strike conversation, they did give concessions in the Great Recession to keep the automakers afloat. Now that they're making profits, they'd like some of that back. That is not an unreasonable, super aggressive labor stance. Are the UAW requests now possibly too much? Yeah, they're high, 40% wage increase. But that's not where it's going to land, and the UAW leadership knows that. So I think in this area, the president is well-positioned, if a little bit late. He's going in part because former President Trump announced he would get there first. The president's trying to beat him to the punch. So there's a little bit of that push and pull. But on this, I think the president is probably going to gain ever so slightly. What about Senator Bob Menendez? Mm -hmm. Some are trying to nudge him out, yep. tell him to resign. Is there anyone who could get Menendez to actually step down, or is he through in that seat through the duration of his term? He's made it clear that this is, for his prospects in the Senate, no different than the first time he but was But is there any variable you see on the horizon? So Sherrod Brown today of Ohio, colleague on the progressive side, said he needs to resign. That's not budged him yet. If there is a super big groundswell, that might alter his feelings, but Menendez has made it pretty clear. He wants to stay, intends to stay, and believes he will be vindicated in a court of law. With the governor, Phil Murphy, coming out against him, could you see someone like Tom Kane, the congressman, or someone with a big name in New Jersey Democratic politics saying, this is ripe for a primary? Well, ripe for a primary, certainly. That's, different, that's a whole different conversation. Someone challenging him, but him stepping down and saying, I'm out? I don't see it. You think Republicans will play in New Jersey in 2024? Probably not. I mean, not on a serious level, not on a statewide level. They've got other places they've got to focus their energy and money. And it seems and easier it to win a gubernatorial race in New yeah. Jersey versus a federal race. Being a uh, federal state race, level. very, very hard. No sign of that in a very, very long time. And the greater question for Republicans right now is what's going to happen at this debate? Will anyone call the former president out for suggesting over the weekend, as he did, that a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
has committed treason and might need to be executed? Is anyone going to say anything about that? But even if they do, could they break through? What breaks through at this debate? Saying, Common or saying, else? saying, he's not qualified to be president again. That will break through. Republicans in their radio ads and their TV ads are beginning to get a little more confrontational. They still don't want to drop his name. They don't want to name check him in an the ad. The hour's late. Getting, exactly. I know the hour's getting late. They have to make some very strong calculations about how aggressive they're going to be about trying to get the thing that he's currently in possession of. What? Frontrunner status. You want to knock off the frontrunner? You better challenge that frontrunner directly. That's true in every primary contest. It is especially true in this one. Ten seconds. Yeah. Who are you watching Wednesday night at the second Republican debate? Nikki Haley, more than anyone else. Can she make it even better than the first one? Of the candidates on that stage, no one has gained more in terms of chatter, a little bit of poll numbers, and a little bit of money. Yeah. Are you watching the debate? Oh, yeah. That dude is being deported back to America. Because he was not, I guess, informative or whatever. I don't think so, but... Alright, from that we, we surmise that it's Biden and it's Trump. Trump is not debating anybody because he had a, like a 50 point lead. Why would I do that? That is a crazy part. And he's talking about Nikki Haley, but yeah, let's go, let's go to what she did. Look at what she did and she exposed herself to the people, well, to us anyway, common sense people, uh, would you vote for someone like this? That's constantly saying, go union, go union. This is what you get. The unions get emboldened and then they start asking for things that, you know, that companies have a tough time doing. If Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley uh, keeps doing what Marjorie Greene and other Republicans have been up to, essentially marketing Biden as a pro-labor president, he might not need to do any campaigning at all for his re-election because Nikki Haley, much like the other Republicans doing this, seem to be completely disconnected on what public opinion actually is on the issue of this particular strike and honestly any strike that's happened over the summer, over the last few years. Now, let's take a look at more of what she has to say because honestly, I don't think Biden could have asked for a better rant that could help him politically. When you have the most pro-union president and he touts that he is um, emboldening the unions, this is what you get. And I'll tell you who pays for it is the taxpayers. You know, here from what I understand, the union is asking for a 40% raise. Um, you know, the companies have come back with a 20% raise. I think any of the taxpayers would love to have a 20% raise and think that's great. But, you know, the problem is this is going to, we're all going to suffer from this. This is going to cause things to go up. And, you know, this is going to last a while. But, you know, when you have a president that's constantly saying, go union, go union, this is what you get. The unions get emboldened and then they start asking for things that, you know, that companies have a tough time doing. And so I don't think government should get involved in this. These are private sector matters. But I do think the tone of how a president talks about unions and how a president emboldens them does play a role in this. And we're seeing what Biden has done play a role in this. All right. She, she, said, she said, embolden them to ask for a 40% raise. Wouldn't you, ask, wouldn't you want a 40% raise and it's a negotiation? You start out at 40, you probably go to 30, and then you get a 
know, you go 35, then you drop down to 27, and then probably meet in the middle, 27, 28% raise. But during the pandemic, the auto workers made concessions to the corporation so they can stay open. Why is it that when management has to take a cut, they ask the workers, but when the workers ask for just pay increases due to inflation, due to cost of living, it's a problem. You can see where both parties stand. You should be able to ask for a raise after you make a sacrifice. This is why the automaker strike. This is why the rider struck. The rider struck. Uh, they they cleared it up, but they struck because the management was making billions and billions of dollars, and they weren't even asking for much. Much. They were asking for two percent. Two percent of of the of the gross. That's like me asking my my employee for two percent of the profits, and my employee is making two billion dollars a quarter. I'm just asking for two million dollars. That's it. Two million compared to two billion, and I'm putting in the work. Why? Why is that? I don't understand. All right. I said my piece on that one. Sorry for the background noise. That's a fine. Um, that's why I back Biden because Biden is for the people, and under this president, I have made money, 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 money. But. We're going to go to the impeachment inquiry, but let's listen to uh, James Carville. Also, thank you for thank you to Young Turks for that video. The handful of columnists that President Biden reads closely. David Ignatius writing in The Washington Post, President Biden should not run again in 2024. He points to his age and Vice President Kamala Harris's poll numbers as reasons. And I'm quoting him now. Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. This op-ed, of course, dropping as Republicans launch an impeachment inquiry into the president on Capitol Hill. James Carville ran Bill Clinton's 1992 winning campaign. He invented the modern-day political war room to respond to attacks, and he joins me now. Thank you so much, James, for being here. I mean, what David Ignatius is writing is he says this isn't just a Fox News trope. And I'm quoting him. He says it is the subject of dinner table conversations across America this summer. Does he have a point? Of course he does. I mean, plenty of things I can come on your program and say, that's that's just Fox News made up stuff. We need to pivot and segue to the real issues and talk about infrastructure, education, or, or something else. And it's not just what David Ignatius thinks or James Carville thinks or some pundit thinks. It's the American public has real doubts about this. And you can see it in poll after poll after poll. Now, the White House gets frustrated with the media for bringing it up, but they're not going to stop. This is going to continue to be an issue, and they're going to have to figure a way to address it and address it forthrightly. But the idea of saying this is not a real issue and you've got to talk about something else, that, that doesn't work because the public, it's a water cooler issue with the public. It just is. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and and you can you see that. He says that basically they got to decide this soon or, or the stone will be cast, the decision will be made. Democrats, there won't be time to find an alternative. Uh, do you agree that it's a quick timeline here? No, I, I, I don't. I know it's a different era. Uh, President Clinton didn't announce until early October of 1991. Lyndon Johnson was running for president in 
March of 1968. Um, and so I've got on my podcast, i got Elaine K. Mark, who's an expert who writes books about delegate selection and timelines and things like that. And I, I think that's some beltway mislogic that it, if you don't do it within the next 10 days or 14 days, it, the process inevitably breaks down. It, it, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. But by the way, to be honest, there's no sign that President Biden is not fully intending to run for re-election. I, I, I have to say that. I have no mm-hmm. inclination that they reconsider this or anything like that. And I don't think anybody else does, to be honest with you. But the idea that that drop-dead date is September the 26th, I think, is popped up. Yeah, that's a good point, because there is no indication that President Biden, I mean, he likes David Ignatius, there's no sign he's listening to him. When it right. comes to the, the impeachment inquiry overall, what do you make of how the White House has been handling it so far? Do you think they're being aggressive enough, or should there be a war room? Should there be a more out-front effort from them? Well, my honest opinion is the people they have leading it are not very smart. In, in fact, they're borderline stupid. I mean, James Comer or, or Jim Jordan. And the people in the House that, that are going to be on this committee, like Dan Goldman, or, uh, Delta Plaskett, I think is a, from, from Virgin Islands, uh, Jamie Raskin, these are very smart people. I, I don't think the White House needs to worry too much about this and let these congressional Democrats who are, are whip smart are just going to eat these people alive. I, 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 I so want them to, to do this. I, I can't tell you how much I want them to do this. It, it, this is a very You want them idea. to do the impeachment? What do you mean? I want them to hold hearings. Why do you think it's a stupid idea? I want them idea? to hold hearings. And I want to let people the, the American public see how, how thin, how non-existent a case is. The president did anything wrong, and I want our people, who are quite effective lawyers, to get them on cross-examination and do what they're going to do and make fools out of them. There's some polling from CNN and from others as well about, even though as you know, we just talked about the congressman, there's no direct evidence tying President Biden to benefiting from this. 61% of people do think that he was involved. There's other numbers of people who have questions about it. Do you not think that those hearings could, could raise those numbers, could change well, that? What's your sense? I think it would change it. I think it would drive it down because the public would pay attention to the hearings and they would see front and center how vapid and, and useless this entire endeavor is when it comes to the president doing any, anything wrong. I mean, they can, how much more can you embarrass Hunter Biden? But there is zero evidence that the president did a single, had not made a single penny out of this. And they're going to drive that point home, Caitlin. They're just—they're going to drive it home hard. And our people in the House, I have a great deal of not so much affection for them, but respect and respect for their, their legal expertise. I wouldn't—I would not want Dan Goldman to cross-examine me. I really wouldn't. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're saying you think impeachment could be a good thing. Is that right? That is correct. You're not putting words in my mouth. You're saying, you know, in, in during the Civil War when. Sherman Marshall in Atlanta, they told him that John Bell Hood was taking the Confederate Army North. He said, good, I'll send them rations. Let them go. Great. And that ended up at the Battle of Franklin, which was utter disaster. And that's just what they're walking into. Yeah, I actually think I was I, I was happy when, McC- you know, McCarthy got out there and said that. And I, I thought, because, wow, <laughs> how could we get so lucky? Well, like I said, yes, thanks to CNN. They are saying what I am saying. There's no evidence of him doing anything wrong. 
it's uh, like I said on my last one Bill Moore explained it perfectly it's a conspiracy that that uh, sneaks of high heaven but it is what it is um, if they want to go ahead and do it let, let them go ahead and do it as long as nothing comes out where he benefited any ill-gotten ill gains from it and it happened while he was vice president not president so doesn't the statute of limitations kind of not count but it is what it is that's the leadership in um republican party and from the other day he is speaking about age he should once you do a good job you should be rewarded and have a choice to run again if he runs against trump he's gonna win but i am scared that just like in 2016 people take it for granted Yeah, go out and taught what you did. Taught what you did. And this is one. This is what you should do. But moving on to government shutdown. Did you know since 1996 there were five government shutdowns and all were under Republican leadership? Did you not know that? I knew that. Check this out. I desire a shutdown. I yield back. Or Go back to gentlemen. Speaker, uh, previous speaker just said that desire a shutdown. I yield back. Or go back to gentlemen. Speaker, uh, previous speaker just said that no Republican member wants a shutdown. I have the quotes right here, which I will submit for the record when I'm done. One House Republican said, "Let's shut it down." Another Republican colleague saying, "We shouldn't fear a government shutdown." Most Americans won't even miss it. And the leader of the Republican Party, the former president, saying, quote, unless you get everything, shut it down. Make no mistake about it. We are here because certain members on the other side of the aisle want a shutdown. They even said they want a shutdown. And why should we be surprised about that? Ever since uh, I was in high school 30 years ago, we've had five government shutdowns. All five took place under House Republican leadership. When Democrats are in charge of the House, zero government shutdowns during that same time period. Yeah, man. Democrats know how to run shit. But the crazy part is people still want to put Republicans in charge. Why is that? I have no idea. Uh, let's who's let's see who's answering polls. Oh, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo 
again. So today we are going to talk about polling and Biden and Trump and a huge lead for Trump and what it all means because a whole bunch of questions have come in because a whole bunch of outlets are pointing to a poll. So if you missed it, what does the poll say? It says that Trump has like a 10-point lead. That's substantial. That's big. So we're going to talk about the impacts of that first before we actually talk about the poll. Because what I'm going to say about the poll doesn't actually change the effects for this part. The Trump team, oh, they are going to use this. One of the big things right now when you're talking about Republicans is there are a lot of them who believe Trump can't win a general. This shows that he can. Look at this poll. And Team Trump is going to use it for that. They're going to try to cement their already very strong position in the Republican primary. Now, is this a case of the Trump team embracing that post-truth world? Kind of. But every politician would use it for this. So this isn't something you can actually slam the Trump team for. Any politician in this position would be using this poll for the exact same thing. But, as you might have just picked up on, the polling is probably not accurate. The poll, uh, part of it was done by the Washington Post, who says that the, quote, sizable margin of Trump's lead in this survey is significantly at odds with other public polls that showed the general election contest in a virtual dead heat. The difference between this poll and others, as well as the unusual makeup of Trump's and Biden's coalitions in this survey, suggests it is probably an outlier. They're saying that it's it's probably a bad poll. Um, now, when you have that kind of notification, that, that kind of basically disclosure, you, you should probably take it seriously. But we need to point to some other things about polling lately. They haven't really been great. It was polling like this that led a whole bunch of people to believe there was a red wave coming. One that never, you know, reached shore. Why? Because polling right now is basically done of people who will pick up the phone to an unknown number. That's not a behavior that is incredibly common among not even young people. I mean, people my age and down. <laughs> Don't do it. So you're not getting an accurate representation when the poll was taken. I also want to say that this was done of just a little bit more than a thousand people. Not great representation there. There's also questions about the order of the questions and how they were asked and all of that stuff, which to me, yes, it matters, but the whole phone thing is a much bigger issue. And then you come to the final and most important part. Polling this far out when it comes to how people are going to vote, it means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, there's a whole lot of things that can happen between now and then. What happens if the economy crashes? Well, Biden loses. Biden loses. Unless it crashes because of the government shutdown that people blame on the Republicans. Um, if it rebounds, becomes incredibly strong, and everybody's feeling it, well, then Biden wins.
What if Trump is in custody? There's a whole lot of things that will happen between now and the election that might alter the results of this poll. I wouldn't worry about it too much other than this is going to give the Trump campaign a huge amount of ammunition to uh, to placate people who are concerned about the electability in a general election so he can get through the primary. Um, given the fact that people... Republicans are kind of turning against him when it comes to not showing up to the debates and it's entering that phase where people are going to start dropping out really quickly. If I was somebody who was conspiratorial, I might think that this was somebody who maybe wanted Trump to get through the primary because he would be easier to beat in a general. Um, but again, there, there's no evidence of that. I just It's one of those timing things. Like, yeah, that's odd. Um, especially given everything else that's going on. Now, realistically, is that the likely scenario? No. The likely scenario is that it's a bad poll. It's an outlier, as they said. Um, I cannot imagine a world in which Trump beats Biden by 10 points in the general. I can't imagine a chain of events that would lead to that. Your most likely answer is what they said. It's an outlier poll. But I would be very cautious putting too much stock in polling at this point until pollsters can figure out how to reach the people who are not answering their phones they are going to become less and less accurate because the number of people who don't answer unknown numbers is going to continue to increase. So the polling will become less and less representative. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. Yep. That's kind of scary. The only people that answer polls are the people who are home not the working folks is it really hard to believe that all the polls that we're seeing now where Trump is leading Biden is he just getting the Trump people that's it oh, I hope not but like I said I am an independent I rock with the Democrats because they they fight for the people. They might some might be greedy, but some still fight for the people. The Republicans are who they are. They want to cut taxes, and they want to increase the social safety nets. I'm not down with that, and that's my spiel. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host D O T T L E Y. We are available on. Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Pandora, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, today we talked about a two-tier justice system. Is there a two-tier justice system? For minorities there is, but now that um, 
Republicans and upper class people being targeted or are being are being investigated by the government they're taking that two-tier justice system that many black and minority uh, people have been saying for years and try to flip into our political slogan and get people to vote for them it it might work it might not you never know but there is not a two-tiered there's not there probably is a two-tiered justice system just hopefully that we we can fix the system also we talked about um polling who's voting impeachment and a government shutdown uh i am your host we are the common sense party podcast and we are out Three hours for a five-hour drive. You're not going to do that without breaking a double nickel. That's right. Be ready to roll Monday morning, bright and early. For what? we got a whole stack of new cases. I think we'll start with that guy up in Frisco. He threw his partner out the window to take over a shopping mall. Oh, sounds like fun. I'll save you receipts. I'll reimburse you for your gas and oil. One of a kind, Hardcastle. How you cooking?